So there are two lines of communication with Heavenly Father. And we need to understand both of them and how they relate to each other if we're going to fully hear Him and connect with Him. So one line of communication is the personal line. You get to communicate directly with Him. He is your Father. The relationship between God and man is not Creator, Created. It's Father and Child. And you get to talk to your Father. And you get direct revelation to guide you in your personal life. Like, I'm hoping you guys still are connected to your earthly father. And I hope you ask and talk and chat frequently. It's the same thing with Heavenly Father. But can you imagine if everything had to come through the personal line? How about the plan of salvation? What a mess that would be. How about the temple endowment? What if we all had to receive the own, our own temple endowment? in our? In, that would be a mess, wouldn't it? Oh, I think there's four degrees of glory. Well, I think there's five. And so there's certain things that need to come through an official line so we all have the same information. And that's the priesthood line. So I need to be aware that he's going to speak to me through a priesthood line and he's going to speak to me through a personal line. Name something that came through a priesthood line that has been a blessing to you. Given to all of us, but it's been a blessing to you. Scripture, right? Book of Mormon wasn't revealed to me personally. It was revealed to a prophet, printed, and we all get to have it. But name some others. Okay, so ordinances. I very much, very much love the temple ordinances and all ordinances. We could put temple. Anyone go on a mission or think about going on a mission? You went? So your mission call. Imagine if you'd called yourself. Where did you go? I don't think you would have called yourself to Germany. And isn't that interesting? Aren't you grateful that the Lord sent you to Germany? Do you see the wisdom that it went through a priesthood line instead of a personal line? But what things come through a personal line? Okay, personal decisions, answers to personal questions. Sometimes God needs to speak to me, and sometimes he needs to speak to all of us. Now, can you see the relationship between these two? One of the best ways to unlock personal revelation is by going to the temple or studying the scriptures. So I'm using a priesthood line tool to unlock personal revelation. See where we're going to go in this class? Now, we're going to start here. We're going to start by talking about the ways he speaks. What I want to do today is blow your mind, and I want to do it on purpose. I want to walk through scriptures and show you as many as I can, as many ways that God speaks to you. I believe he's speaking to you in ways that you're not recognizing. And the better, the more we recognize, the more we say, you know what, that was revelation. What's going to happen when I recognize them as revelation? Number one, my, my confidence in me grows. When I, I, I think he just spoke to me. 
I think that thing that just happened, that idea was not me, it was him. And my confidence grows that God is speaking to me. My Father is speaking to me. And number two, when you recognize them and you're grateful for them, you invite more. So by learning to recognize as many as we can, how does he speak to me? Your confidence is going to grow and you're going to increase revelation. So how does he speak? Now, I, I don't do this anymore, but when I, whenever I would teach this, I would start with, you know, have everyone close your eyes because I don't want anyone to see, but let's take a vote. And I would ask, how often do you receive revelation. And I give them five choices, constantly, frequently, occasionally, rarely, or never. How often do you receive revelation? Constantly, frequently, occasionally, rarely, or never. What do you think the vast majority of people your age have said to that question? What's the number one answer? Occasionally or rarely. Good Latter-day Saints are looking at their life saying, I occasionally, I sometimes. And then we have this discussion. And we point out many ways that God speaks. And I revoked. And guess what usually happens the second time? Constantly. I believe you will hear him many times today. Many times. I know him well enough and I know your lives well enough to know that, his divi- that the Divine Father and your need are going to connect many times today. Now, I'm guessing that many of those times he speaks are not going to be recognized as revelation because of who we are. Oh, you know what? Shoot. I invited to some jo- to someone join us electronically. I didn't even turn the camera on. Sorry, let me hurry and set that. What are you guys' names? I'm Analia. I'm Catherine. Camry. I was trying really hard to remember. <laughs> Honestly, terrible names. <laughs> well, after a couple weeks with only three of us, I think we're pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> So sorry, Harrison. I completely forgot to set the camera up. You still with us? Yes, sir. Okay, I apologize. We've been, we started our conversation. Let me give Harrison a brief summary. We're talking about recognizing revelation. And my theory this morning is that God is speaking to you far more than we recognize. He is a loving father, a loving parent who wants to speak to his child. He's going to connect with you many times today. And the more we recognize how he's speaking, our confidence increases and we increase the frequency. So let's see if we can make a list. Now, it's going to take two weeks to do this because there's no way we can do this in one week. And I really want to complete as much as we can in this list to say, oh, my goodness, I'd never really considered that revelation. But it very much is. And I recognize it now. And next time it happens, I'm going to be grateful. I'm going to express my gratitude and I'm going to invite more. So let's start in Doctrine and Covenants. Now, if I don't write, I'm going to give you the references because you, I'm guessing you're going to want this list. And I'm going to invite you to add to it for the rest of your life. If I don't write a book 
assume that it's the Doctrine and Covenants, okay? Now think about the Lord's challenge in the Doctrine and Covenants. Coming out of the apostasy, how many people understood Revelation? So what's one of the major things the Lord's going to do early on in church history? A lot of coaching, a lot of guiding, and that's, why, that's where we're going to turn to. So I want to turn, I want to start in Doctrine and Covenants 8, verse 2. I think the Lord gave us a pivotal piece of information in section 8, verse 2, that revelation is going to come in two forms, not just one. And I think if we can open up our eyes to say, this other way is just as valid as the one I expect. Tell me how Heavenly Father is going to speak to me in section 8, verse 2. In my heart and in my mind. I will speak unto you in your heart and in your mind. Now, Elder Richard G. Scott of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles shared an insight into the difference between these that completely changed my whole life. A revelation to the mind is where he's giving me direction. Something to do or something to know. Specific direction. Heavenly Father, is the Book of Mormon true? Well, that's information I need to know. Should I go on a mission or should I not go on a mission? That's information I need to know so that I do something. Do you see how he's directing me? Those will come to my mind. But there's a whole other world of revelation that comes to my heart. And revelation to my heart is simply him with me. Him with me. Have you ever needed to just be with your earthly dad? I don't need him to tell me anything. I just need to be with him. I feel better when he's around. Remember being a little girl and something scary happened? I don't need him to tell me what to do. I just need him. It's the same thing with a heavenly parent. Sometimes I just need him. So let's walk through this one first, because usually when I say, how often do you get revelation? Most people are thinking in terms of direction. But I want to start here. I want to go through scriptures and list how many, what does he do when he just is with me? And every time I want you to just register and you're, oh my goodness, that happens so often in my life. He is with me so often. All right, let's start in section 11, verse 12. I love it that this time the Lord Lord says, hey, this is my spirit, as if he's just kind of pointed it out. This is my spirit. Don't neglect this. This is revelation. All right, section 11, verse 12. Anyone want to read? Please. And now verily, verily, I say unto thee, put your trust in that spirit which leadeth to do good, yea, to do justly, to walk humbly, to judge righteously. And then he adds, this is my spirit, people. I'm with you. And what is happening? I know God is with me when what's happening. I want to be better. I want to be better. I'm feeling inspired. Now, nothing specific, just I want to be a better person. 
Now, I'll admit, sometimes I go to church and I didn't get any direction out of church. But do you know what happened that day? I walked away wanting to be a better person. Was the Spirit with me that day? You better believe it was. The Spirit leads me to do good. He inspires me. That's revelation. How many times do you just walk away saying, I want to be a better person. I want to be better. That's because your Heavenly Father was with you. And He inspires us to do better. That alone is a constant source of revelation, isn't it? I want to do better. I want to be smart. I want to do better in my life. Well, that's because He's there with me, inspiring me to be better. Let's turn to the Book of Mormon. Let's do a, uh, as many as we can find in the Book of Mormon. I want to turn to... Sometimes I have to do something scary. Going to Germany is scary. Germans can be scary. <clears throat> but it takes that get to know you, right? And it can be scary. Going on a mission is scary. Dating is scary. Doing good things sometimes is scary. Can you think of a group of people in the Book of Mormon that, were at, that did something scary, felt inspired to do something very dangerous and very scary? Ammon, Aaron, Omner, and Himni went on a mission where? To the Lamanites. Now tell me what they need. They're going to need lots of instruction. But right now, guess what they need? Alma 17, verse 12. Alma 17. We'll do a bunch in the Book of Mormon, and then we'll come back to the Doctrine and Covenants. Alma 17. Tell me, what's the manifestation of the Spirit that they so needed in this moment? Courage. 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 I can do this. Think about moments in your life where you felt an outpouring of courage. You ever had to speak in church and was very nervous about it, and then all of a sudden there was just this strength and courage that came. He is with us in the form of courage. Now, does that mean all courage is God with me? No. But when God is with me, does it come across occasionally as courage to do something? Nothing instructed, just, I can do this. I'm not afraid. I have courage. Do you see the manifestation of the Spirit? Now, related to that, let's think of a time in the Book of Mormon when things were tough. It was hard. Life was difficult. Something's happened in your life, and life is hard. Alma the elder leaves. He's a priest of Noah. He leaves. Noah's angry, sends guards after him. Eventually, everything falls apart, and one of the other priests of Noah joins up with the Lamanites, finds Alma, and makes him a slave. Makes his life miserable. Alma's life was very hard. And God was with him. 
And guess what he needed? What did God bring when he was with him? Turn to Mosiah 24, 13 through 15. Naomi, would you mind? Okay, let, maybe we go back. Look at verse 9 and verse 10. What's happening to Alma? Notice that, that Amulon has put taskmasters over him. He's made his life miserable. Mosiah 24, verse 9. Now, verse 13. The Lord comes in our challenges. And we're going to watch for two of them. So I'm going to pause you a couple times. So go ahead. And it came to pass that the voice of the Lord came to them in their affliction, saying, Lift up your heads and be a good Pause. There's a big one. God comes into my life and just comforts me. He just wraps his arms around me. He doesn't say anything. He doesn't give me direction. He just is with me and comforts me. Think of the number of times in your life you have felt his comfort. That things are going to be okay. I don't know how. But I know that things are going to be okay. I feel his comfort. I know he's with me. And I feel his comfort. There's another one. Keep going. For I know of the covenant which you have made unto me, and I will covenant with my people and deliver them out of bondage. And I will also ease their burdens which are put upon your shoulders, that even you cannot fill them on, upon your backs, even while you are in bondage. And this will I do, that you may stand as a witness for me, Hereafter, and that you may know of the surety that I, the Lord God, do visit my people in their afflictions. Now, how did he do that? Ready? Keep going. And now it came to pass that the burdens which were laid upon Alma and his brethren were made light. Yea, the Lord did strengthen them. There it is. Strength. He gave me strength. In my family, we, we deal with a lot of depression and mental health issues. I have a daughter that, that deals with severe mental with severe depression. It prompted me to teach a class on mental health and the gospel. I've taught classes on the gospel and mental health. And, and in preparing for that class, I reached out to hundreds of people who struggle with mental health. And they all had one thing in common. They would say things like when they were depressed, they didn't feel the Spirit. And it was frustrating to them that they didn't feel the Spirit. And then I really pushed and I said, okay, tell me, tell me what happens when you're depressed. And I asked, have you ever felt just strength was being given to you in that darkness? That strength was just getting out of bed and you just received strength just to, just to get out of bed? Oh, yeah. And you're saying you never feel the Spirit. Do you see? Sometimes when the receptors are broken because of depression, I don't get these, but I very much get these. And learning to recognize Thank you for the strength to get out of bed. Thank you for the courage to face the day. 
I know he's with me. Do you see how often he's with me? Courage, comfort, strength, motivation to do good. He's with me all the time. Let's do another one. Sometimes I need help. I need preparation. So let's go to second, or first Nephi chapter 2, verse 16. Tell me what the Spirit did to, to Nephi in this one. First Nephi 2, right at the very beginning, Nephi's been asked to leave. They're going to go live in the wilderness. They're moving to Arizona. No, they're moving to New Mexico. And I don't know anyone in New Mexico. And I'm going to go live in the desert. And he didn't want to. Tell me what the Spirit did to him in verse 16. Sorry, i got to make that lower. First Nephi 2, 16. Tell me what the Spirit did to Nephi. He softened his heart. Now, how many times did you watch those tough Germans? Eventually, the question's going to be, should I give up my religion and join the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? Is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints true? And they're going to need some direction. But long before that direction comes, what is going to be needed? A softening of the heart. Does this happen in an instant? So how long is he going to be with me to soften my heart? A while. And again, evidence that he's still, he's in my life. He's softening my heart. And one of the great evidences that he's with me is Mosiah 5, 2, the people of King Benjamin. Read verse 2. How did they know that the Lord had been with them. How did they know that they had felt the Spirit? Tell me what happens when God is with you. Right along with a desire to do good, perhaps one of the greatest evidences that God is with me is that I've changed. I have changed. And again, how often, do, how quickly does that happen? So for me to change means what, Camry? That he's been with me a long time. Now look back on your teenage years and tell me you haven't made a mighty change in your hearts. Was there a previous Naomi that would have been a little surprised that older Naomi went on a mission? Yeah. And if you went back in time and said, hey, I'm a returned missionary, younger Naomi would have said, how in the world did that happen? And the answer is what? He was with me. Over a long period of time and first softened my heart and then changed me. Are you getting the picture of Revelation? How often... Is God with us? Well, that's so interesting because I started senior year not wanting to go on mission. And by the end of it, I don't know how, but I had decided that I was going to go. I love that. I don't know how. Meaning it wasn't me. It was not me. Someone was with me. Day after day, 
changing me, softening me. And then when I got that call to go to Germany, filled me with courage. And when it was difficult, strength and comfort. And when I got bad news from home, he wrapped me in his arms to let me know that everything was okay. You see how often God is with us? Let's do one more in the Book of Mormon. Turn with me to 2 Nephi 31, verse 17. 2 Nephi 31, 17, at the very end, this is where Nephi says, if you get into the path and open the gate, you'll receive the Holy Ghost. Now, he makes it very clear. What does the Holy Ghost do when he enters your life? One, one very prominent role of the Holy Ghost is If you receive the Holy Ghost, he will keep, keep going. I want that last phrase. We've kind of, we'll get direction in a minute. He will cleanse me. The only way you will ever feel clean is if God is with you. You don't get that on your own, do you? Now, again, is it I'm perfect? No, no, no. Is it that I've done everything right? No, it's that I'm clean. I hope you feel that often in your life. Lord, I'm trying. I remember vividly as a teenager sitting in the temple wearing my whites, waiting to go into the baptismal font. And I just felt, you know what? I've made so many mistakes in my life. But I'm clean. Today, sitting here in my whites, he's pleased. And it was this feeling of clean. There's only one way you get that, is when God is with me. Again, it's not a, I'm perfect, it's, I'm clean. So another manifestation is a feeling of, I've been cleansed, I'm clean, I'm worthy. I'm not perfect, but I'm clean. All right, back to the Doctrine and Covenants. Let me just add one more for the sake of time. Let's just do one more. Turn with me to Doctrine and Covenants section 121. That whole description of many are called, but few are chosen. And why are they not chosen? And he talks about, you know, let virtue garnish your thoughts unceasingly. So Doctrine and Covenants 121. Now we're going to read verse 45. But in those last few verses, he talks about, let virtue, let virtue garnish your thoughts unceasingly. <coughs> He says, the Spirit will be your constant companion. That's the promise. The Spirit will be your constant companion. Now find the phrase, what will wax strong if the Spirit is my constant companion? What will wax strong? My confidence. What will wax strong? My confidence. My confidence will wax. And I love the phrase wax strong. How do you wax? How does anything wax strong? You ever made a candle like when you're in elementary school? Did you make it? How do you make a candle? You dip it how many times? And every time I dip it, it's just a small little layer of wax. 
Then I let that harden and I dip it again and I dip it again. It's a slow process that happens over time. Your confidence is waxing strong. What's really the main difference between returning missionaries and leaving missionaries? Isn't that the word? 18 months with the Holy Ghost, two years with the Holy Ghost has done what to them? It gave them a confidence they did not have before they left. So I love watching missionaries go out and then come back home. And it's like, where did this person come from? Because this is not my brother. This is not my child. You have come back confident. And those are manifestations of God. Confidence in Him, confidence in the work, confidence in me. It grows when God is with you. Let me tell you a time. Nothing specific was given, but him with me gave me an outpouring of confidence and courage like I'd never felt. I went to Mexico City on my mission, one of the world's largest cities. No one even knows exactly how many people because they've never really been able to fully count. And I bumped into a lot of gangs. You have to. If you're in Mexico City, you're going to bump. It's like New York. And one time we got a reference from the visitor center and those were golden because if someone goes to the visitor center and writes their name down that they want more information, boom, those are golden and you do not miss those. And so we were going to find this house and find her and she did. She ended up getting baptized. But finding her house was a challenge. I'd never been to that part of our area. So we found the street and we're walking down the street and the numbers are going down and going down and okay, we're getting close. And then all of a sudden the street ended. I noticed there was a little ravine, a little cliff. And I looked down and the street continued down there. And it was down there we needed to go. Carved into the stairs, or sorry, carved into the cliff were some stairs. It's kind of a makeshift staircase. So we went down the stairs and we found her house. We had a great discussion. It was phenomenal. And then when we left, we had another appointment and I didn't know any other way to go but up those stairs. Meanwhile, a Mexican gang had settled in on that cliff. There's probably 20 of them. I had a greenie. I was training. I didn't know where else to go, and so we started up those stairs. And when I got, and a gang leader stepped in front of me, and he had a pipe in his hand. He was banging the pipe against his hand. And he said, this is what's going to happen. You're going to give us everything that you have, including all your clothing, and we'll let you live. Now, what do you do? It's 20 of them, two of me. And I felt he was with me. I felt a confidence, a courage I'd never felt in my whole life. And I said, kindly, no, let me tell you what's going to happen. We are representatives of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are his servants. We are here to teach people about him and our heavenly father and their plan for our happiness. If you and your gang will come with us to our next appointment and listen to what we have to say about God and Christ and their plan, we will gladly give you everything that we have, including our clothing. But if you will not come with us, then get out of my way. 
and he stepped aside. And we walked up the stairs and went to our next appointment. I knew he was with me. And he just manifested that in the form of confidence. Other times when I've had some tough days, he's manifested himself as comfort or strength. My senior year in college was really hard. I was a pre-med student at the University of Utah who decided to be a teacher, a seminary teacher, and the church didn't really care what my degree was, so I was getting a degree in biology, human biology, but I wasn't going to go into the field, so I'll admit I wasn't as enthusiastic as I once was. But my senior year, I was taking classes like advanced human anatomy, where we had to know every nerve in the human body, every nerve. The practicum was about 50 cadavers. And in each one, there was a little ring around a nerve. And we had to identify the nerve and say what would happen if it were cut right at that spot. What motion, what mu muscle would be lost, what sensation would be lost, and what's the nerve. That was our final. That class was so intense, one of the most intense classes I've ever taken. And oh, by the way, I was married after my sophomore year, and we had our first child after my junior year. My wife wants nothing more than to be a stay-at-home mom. So she stays home with our child, and I'm going to school full-time, working three part-time jobs to pay the mortgage. That was one of the hardest years of my life. I happened to be going to a structural biology class. It was fascinating. It was talking about why do different organisms have the structure? Why is that structure appropriate for that thing or for that organism? Imagine having a cuticle. Insects have a cuticle, you know, that hard shell on the outside. Can you imagine if you and I had a cuticle? How much life would be difficult, difficult if we had a cuticle? We don't have a cuticle, but cuticles are appropriate for insects. Have you ever hit a, a fly? Have you ever swatted a fly and it just flies away? If you and I got hit with that much force relative to our size, what would it do to us? Crush us. Would we fly away? No, but the fly just flies away because of its structure. Appropriate for that organism. Our structure is bone. And bone is the most expensive structure of them all because it's alive. And the professor's giving this, instruct, this, this class on bone. He says, because bone is alive, that's why it's so expensive. We have to constantly feed bone. But because it's alive, it's adaptable. And when I have braces, did anyone have braces? What's the concept of braces? Do you know what you're doing with braces? You're moving your teeth in the bones, meaning the bones are doing what? Moving. You are shifting teeth in the bone and the bone is moving to make way for it because bone is alive. It moves, it shifts. And then he said, and I'll never forget this, 
He said, if I were to break my right leg and walk around and put all the pressure on my left leg, after a couple weeks, if I were to take a cross section of my legs, guess what you would find? My left leg is thicker. My left leg has strengthened to carry the weight. And I'm sitting in that classroom, overwhelmed and stressed out by my very difficult life. And when I heard that, I felt him just wrap his arms around me and say, I'm with you. You will have the strength to do this. I will be with you. It is my witness that God speaks to your heart. Do not discount these as revelation. This is very much revelation, if not more so. How long does it take to change a heart and to soften a heart versus to tell someone that the Book of Mormon is true? So your assignment this week, we're going to do that week next. We're going to do that list next week because we need to talk about the very many ways God gives me information. Because I need help, Lord. Just came home from my mission, school, dating. Where do I go? What do I study? My life. I'm coming out of beauty school. Where do I get a job? Do I stay in Utah? Do I move to major decisions coming in all of your lives, right? And I need direction. Okay, how's it going to come? We'll do the same thing. We'll make a big long list of the very many ways he gives me information. And again, I want to blow your mind. I want you to go, oh my gosh. I get that all the time. That happens all the time, and I've never even acknowledged it as revelation. I'm going to start. But before we do that, would you spend this week watching for His presence in your life? Watching for manifestations that Heavenly Father is with me. Because that's a pretty compelling list to suggest He's with me all the time. He motivates me to be better, he grants me courage and comfort and strength. He softens my heart. He changes my heart. <coughs> he gives me this feeling of clean. He grants me confidence. Would you watch for him in your life and make a mental note to thank him for being there? Thank you for the strength to get out of bed today, Lord. Thank you. I needed that. Watch for his presence. Add to this list. What else? How else does he manifest when he's with you? Spend the rest of your life filling that list out. And then come back next week and we'll do this list. How does he give me specific instructions? How do they come? And when we recognize them, and pause and say, you know what? That was Heavenly Father. That was Heavenly Father. I avoided a disaster last week because Heavenly Father put someone in a position who said one little thing. And what she said saved me from a disaster. And I am confident that He put her there. And he led me that way 
so that that person was in position to say what she said and save me from a disaster. That's how he guides me. So let's recognize. And you know what? After that was, I spent days saying thank you for putting her. Thank you. And I have found that the more I thank him and recognize and acknowledge, my confidence grows that he's leading me and the voices increase. May you hear him more frequently. May you recognize that you're hearing him and invite more. May your confidence grow that your father is very much in, and let's be honest, so is your mother. We don't talk about her very much, but your father and your mother are very much involved in your life. They know who you are and they are with you. Of that I testify. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.